The godfather of gangster rap died of AIDS, but where did he get it? Was it a murder or just his promiscuity that got the better of him? Follow me down the rabbit hole about Easy E. friends welcome back to the rabbit hole i'm your host danny and today we are talking about easy e so um this was a suggestion from ben so thank you ben um for suggesting that we cover this i actually didn't know that there was any conspiracy around easy e's death but i also like haven't looked that far into like gangster rap and all that different stuff um i've seen the movie But I just, and I mean, there's a couple movies that are out about like different rappers and I've seen them all, you know, I, I've listened to the songs, but, um, I, I just didn't know much about it. So I appreciate it because I, I, I learned a lot more about the different feuds and the different things. Luckily, like I had like a little bit of background, like I at least knew who these people were when I got into the the research. So, um, I wasn't completely in the dark, but Now I know a whole lot more. So thank you. And here we go. So Eric Lynn Wright, known as the rapper Eazy-E, was born September 7th, 1964 in Compton, California. His father, Richard, was a postal worker and his mother, Kathy, was a grade school administrator. And as far as I found, they're still married and together. Seems like a happy home. I don't know much about it but it seems like they're still together. Um, Wright dropped out of high school in 10th grade, but he did get his GED. Um, He mostly supported himself by selling drugs and got his cousin involved in the business because, you know, you're making good money doing it. Wright referred to himself as a thug and a dope dealer, but later his music manager, Jerry Heller, would say that that was just a way for him to basically survive on the streets because a thug was a role that was understood on the streets and would give you like a certain level of protection and a dope dealer would accord you like certain privileges and respect. So you needed to be known as something, especially if you're going to be on the streets. Uh, But Heller also said that Wright was selling marijuana like he wasn't selling anything hard like cocaine so but you have to remember that in the 80s 90s marijuana was illegal like very illegal still so yes it's legal now in some states but very illegal then and they probably made a good amount of money selling it i mean actually i'm gonna get into that um yeah so with all that like even so at the age of 22 he was allegedly earning about a quarter million dollars a year dealing drugs. However, after his cousin was shot and killed, he decided to get into like the rapidly growing hip hop music scene instead because I mean, he got his cousin into the dope business and he wasn't super thrilled about dying. And he, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't happy about his cousin dying either, but he wasn't like ready to die. So in the mid 1980s he started recording songs in his parents garage and that was where the label ruthless records was started 
Ruthless started when Wright asked Heller to go into business with him, offering like a 50-50 partnership. Later, it was decided that Wright would get 80% of the company and Heller got 20%. According to Heller, it was his idea because it was like the industry standard that the manager only got 20%. And this would mean that Wright owned the company and Heller worked for him. So Wright invested quite a bit of his own money into Ruthless Records. He put in about like a quarter million dollars at first and eventually would put up to like a million dollars into the company of his own money. Just to like get it started and get it going, you know, and then eventually it would like make its own money and he wouldn't have to put his own money in there anymore. Um, soon after the launch of Ruthless Records, Easy e which I've been referring to him as Wright this whole time. From here on out, I refer to him as Easy e uh, began collaborating with Dr. Dre. So they created the group NWA, and soon after, producer Arabian Prince and Ice Cube were added to the group. Uh, the first album was put out as NWA and the Posse, but in 1988, they released a studio album called Straight Outta Compton. I'm sure you most everyone has heard of that. Um, with the tracks Straight Outta Compton and Fuck the Police on that album. So this album went double platinum and put gangster rap on the map, basically. So Fuck the Police was kind of... It, it, it really it blew up because the FBI put out a warning letter to the album distributor after the release of fuck the police and they like wouldn't stop distributing it. And actually that caused the song and the album to gain even more popularity because now like the feds are bringing attention to it. Sadly, NWA didn't last long in 1989 ice cube left the group after a dispute about royalties. And I don't know if it was ever really like figured out i know later on right before easy e died him and ice cube kind of like made up but after ice cube left the group continued to release music and a lot of the tracks kind of attacked ice cube if you don't know much about rap gangster rap in particular they love to diss each other through songs um, you can see this obvious, like obviously with NWA towards Ice Cube. Ice Cube fires back. Dr. Dre later will put out some songs about you know people not liking him. Uh, Eminem does it. The Game does it. Uh, all all different rappers out there will put out diss tracks. Basically, um, actually, most recently, maybe not most recently, but the most like recent like huge thing that kind of went up, went viral. I would say it was like machine gun Kelly put something out against Eminem and then Eminem put one out back against machine gun Kelly. Um, I mean, it doesn't stop. People just keep dissing each other in songs. So anyway, in ice cubes songs that were like criticizing NWA, he also criticized Jerry Heller and easy E specifically along with NWA so they were kind of going back and forth. In 1992, Dr. Dre went solo as well because he became unhappy with Ruthless Records. Um, he and, Ra and the rapper, the DOC, left to join Suge Knight's Death Row Records. And that's kind of when NWA kind of all fell apart. But later on, we're going to kind of get more into 
how Dr. Dre got out of his contract and how he went to death row records and all that and all the different things about that. There's a lot there. So give me a minute. We'll get there. Um, some of the personal life behind the scenes, you know, he's got his record label. He's got all these songs, all these albums coming out with NWA. Um, and he did some, some solo stuff as well, but he was most popular with NWA all the while. Easy had a son, Eric Darnell, Wright who is known as Lil Easy E, and he was born in 1984. He had a daughter, Erin, who changed her name to E.B., and in 1991, he met Tomika Woods in an L.A. nightclub. The two married just 12 days before Easy E died, and they had two kids together, Dominic and Deja, but according to Heller, Easy E had 11 children with eight different women and that actually that number kind of varies depending on the sources that was the largest number that I found out there and that seems to be the most common number but there was I saw something about him only having nine kids with seven women or something like that either way he had a lot of kids with a lot of different ladies. He was getting around. And he kind of easy like attributed that to his success and saying like that was just like kind of like a like a side effect of being successful is that he kind of got to do whatever he wanted with whoever he wanted. And I don't I don't know if he was in these kids' lives or not. I didn't get that deep into it. Uh Deja, for example, that the Deja is one of the kids that he had with Tomica. She wasn't born until six months after Easy E died. So um Dominic had been born, but Deja hadn't, so obviously he wasn't in her life. Um, in 1994, Easy started to experience like asthma symptoms, but he didn't really think much of it at first. Like he just kind of, you know, had some breathing issues here and there, nothing like major, but on February 24th of 1995, he was admitted to the hospital with a severe cough. A lot of people that reference his like other rappers say that he like had bronchitis, he had a cold, and that's why he went to the hospitals because something like it was a serious cold or bronchitis or something is basically what happened. He was diagnosed with HIV AIDS basically right there on the spot. And on March 16, 1985, he made a public statement about AIDS saying basically it doesn't discriminate. He wanted to save as many people as he could, like telling people to go get tested. And after his statement, condom use tripled and a lot more people went and got tested for like STDs, AIDS being one of them. But Eazy-E, of course, like I said earlier, made amends with Ice Cube before his death. So they ended on good terms, which I think was really important to him. He knew he was dying. And so he tried to kind of like reach out to as many people as he could in that time frame. And on March 26th, excuse me. March 26th. I tried to say 25th and 26th at the same time um, of 1995, just a month after receiving his diagnosis, Eric Wright died of AIDS induced pneumonia and he was only 30 years old. His final album was released 10 months after his death. So he made a little bit more money just after that. But um, most of, I think almost all of it went to Tomica. There was, there was actually a dispute back and forth about who should get, the money or what money or how much of ruthless records Tomica owned after easy E died. There was quite the lawsuit there, but 
But that's not that's not all because there's a lot of conspiracy, a lot of questions kind of around what happened because it's very odd that he didn't really display any symptoms before. And then he I mean, it, they said in 1994 that he had asthma symptoms and I don't know, like he, he went to the hospital in February of 95. So I don't know if 1994 means like December of 94. He started like having some weird breathing issues and then he went like two months later, went to the hospital. I don't, I don't really know, but everybody, all the different artists that I saw that talked on his death, they all said that he was totally fine like for years leading up to this totally fine never had any symptoms never acted sick never literally would go into places where you would get colds and would never get a cold so like he was a really healthy guy and then all of a sudden like had full-blown AIDS and died like that quickly typically like even when you get HIV because HIV happens before AIDS um you would have symptoms so I don't, I don't know. One of my very first episodes was about AIDS and the conspiracy around that. I reported that in that episode, especially when the, ep- uh, the epidemic like was first start, like first around, it was kind of first like a really big issue. It affected the gay and black communities way more than it affected the white or straight communities. Like gay people and black people were dying from AIDS at alarming rates compared to white people, straight people, white straight people. Um, you know what I'm saying? So that was a really big issue. And if you want to hear all the conspiracies around AIDS, I highly suggest that episode because it gives a lot more background. So in the early 90s, Eazy-E was the, like, the third prominent black man to announce that he had this disease. So, in 1991, Magic Johnson of the L.A. Lakers announced that he was HIV positive and that he was going to be leaving the Lakers. Uh, In 1992, a tennis champion, Arthur Ashe, announced that he had the disease. Um, Ashe had actually been living with this disease, this illness, for about five years prior to his announcement. And the only reason he announced it was because he learned that USA Today was going to run a story about it and about him having HIV and he felt like he had no choice and he kind of wanted to get ahead of it and and control the narrative which I totally totally understand and just a year after Ash's announcement he died from pneumonia which was a complication of his AIDS Magic Johnson is still around he's live and well he actually doesn't even test positive for HIV anymore he a lot of people attribute it to him having a lot of money and being able to afford like the really expensive treatments but later on you're gonna like you're gonna hear Jerry brings up that easy had a lot of money I mean he was he was making good money he could have easily afforded like these treatments that Magic Johnson received Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our most precious asset is our time. So many people wish they had more of it. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? But no matter how short you are on time, you will always find a way to fit in things that are important to you. Therapy can help you identify the most important things in your life and prioritize them. Life can get away from you, and it can be hard to take back the reins. Whether you need to learn how to set boundaries, become the best version of yourself, or even break generational curses, therapy can help. The best thing about BetterHelp is that it's totally online, so you can fit it into your busy schedule. We don't have an extra hour in our day, so not having to commute to therapy makes it so much more convenient. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist after filling out a brief questionnaire. And what's great is if you don't mesh well with that therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional fee. You don't have time to waste. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com rabbit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rabbit. I don't know. But also something that I didn't include in my notes but I wanted to share is that Magic Johnson... The only reason he found out that he had HIV is because he basically had a physical for the Lakers. So he had a late uh, physical. The Lakers called him because he was like off on a game. The doctor called him was like, hey, you tested positive. And the dude was like, no way. Like, this is a joke. So he tested it again. And again, it came back positive. He tested a third time and it came back positive. So that's when he was like, okay. I, I for sure have it. And that's when he started getting treatment. He didn't know it because he had any symptoms, but it seems to me that it was caught. Obviously he's still alive and well, so it was caught early enough that he could get treatment. He could like work through it. So I don't know. I mean, obviously easy. He didn't have any symptoms, but he didn't have enough time to catch it either. So it seems, it seems rather fishy. So it's no secret that Ruthless Records, which is owned by Eze e and Death Row Records, which is owned by Suge Knight, had major beef. Like, major beef. If you know anything about that whole, like, NWA falling apart and Dr. Dre, it was crazy. So Dr. Dre wanted to leave Ruthless for Death Row. He was just done with it. He was like, I'm, you know, mostly royalties and money, right? That's what always gets him. So, but he was under contract and he was, they were not about to let him out of his contract. They, they Ruthless wanted to keep him. They were, they were pissed off that Ice Cube left. They wanted to keep him. But the owner of Death Row Records, Suge Knight, was notorious for violence and intimidation and getting exactly what he wanted. So Jerry Heller admitted that he let Dre out of his contract with Ruthless Records because he was threatened by Suge. So Suge went as far as to threaten the family members of Eazy-E and Jerry Heller, like basically saying, like, and he had threatened those two several times up until this point, trying to get Dre out of his contract. And they, both of them were like, no way, no way, no way. Well, eventually he was like, I have the address for your mama's house. And I will go kill her. And they were like, done. He's out of his contract. He's, you know, because they didn't want their families to get hurt. I mean, nobody wants their families to be hurt. So that's how Dre got out of his contract. Well, in 92, the same year that Dre got out of his contract, there was a lawsuit filed by Ruthless against Death Row for racketeering. The lawsuit was dismissed in 1993. But 
I mean, I don't know why it was dismissed. I don't know if there was more like violence and intimidation factors, but there was a lawsuit there for, for a minute. In 2003, Knight had just gotten out of jail, and I don't know exactly why he was in jail. I didn't look at look into it. This is about Easy E, not him. Um, and he appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Well, Kimmel came out wearing a bulletproof vest as a jab at Knight's reputation because he has a, a violent reputation of like hurting people. And Knight laughed about it and said that he doesn't shoot people. In fact. He said, quote, see, technology is so high, so if you shoot somebody, you go to jail forever. You don't want to go to jail forever. They have a new thing out. They have this stuff they called, they get blood from somebody with AIDS, and they shoot you with it. That's a slow death. The easy E thing. You know what I mean? End quote. I don't know if he's saying that just eight years earlier he killed Easy e with AIDS or what, but that seems like a confession to me. I don't know if anybody looked into it, but it feels very confession-y. Or maybe he's just saying, like, similar to what Eazy-E went through because he died of AIDS that somebody potentially gave him, that's how I would kill people now. I don't, I don't know, but straight from the horse's mouth. Rapper BG Knockout was also known as like a prodigy, pro, protege of uh, Easy E, and he rapped in his 2011 song "In My Prime." "Quote: The way my big homie went out, he didn't deserve it. They say he died of AIDS, but Easy was cold murdered. I filtered out all the bullshit in my third iris. Full blown AIDS, but Tomica ain't got the virus." So he's kind of like alluding to somebody giving Eazy-E AIDS to kill him. And you have to imagine that gangster rappers probably have a lot of enemies. And he was a drug dealer before that. He probably has a lot of enemies, right? So Knockout stated in an interview that he believes someone did something to Eazy-E. He mentioned either Jerry Heller or Tomika Woods. And the reason Knockout believes this is because he watched a family member die from AIDS, basically that they got from sharing a drug needle from somebody else. And he went through so many stages from HIV to full-blown AIDS because this family member, obviously a drug addict, they're not going to have the money to pay for the expensive treatments. So Knockout watched this family member go through all these issues, all this illness before he finally died of full-blown AIDS because he had HIV first. And he was like, Easy e was completely healthy. He had absolutely no signs of illness. Just a couple months before his death, he was totally fine. And then all of a sudden he has full-blown, not even HIV, he's got full-blown AIDS and he dies. Like that's, there's nothing fishy about that. But Knockout's not the only one that believes this. Jerry Heller actually believes that something happened. He said that they had as much money as Magic Johnson, like I said earlier, and could have afforded expensive treatments. And he didn't believe it's possible for someone to die that quickly of full-blown AIDS. Like, again, to not have any symptoms of HIV or anything and then just get AIDS and die within a month. He wouldn't say like who he thought was involved, but he did say that the only person that didn't profit from easy passing was him and that everybody else had something to gain, basically. 
Why does everyone think that foul play was involved? Well, Tomika Woods doesn't have HIV or AIDS, and neither do either of his kids, or any of his kids, excuse me. Not just the two kids he had with Tomika. None of his kids, all eight of them, not one has AIDS or HIV. Yes, he slept around with a lot of women, but none of their mothers report having HIV or AIDS. So, oh, excuse me, eight women, 11 children. I, I got my numbers mixed up. So, apparently, he's got eight kids, or eight women, none of them have AIDS. 11 children, none of them have AIDS. But he died of AIDS. Seems a little fishy. I did mention that in my in my AIDS episode that AIDS might not be a sexually transmitted disease and that you might not always get it from having sex. However, the likelihood is still pretty high that you will get it from having sex or give it, give it to somebody having sex. And especially when you're creating a new child, this is a, a blood illness. And so the new child is likely to have it. It's not just something that you don't, like you wouldn't pass on. You would more than likely pass it on. But it's also kind of convenient that Woods married Easy on his deathbed and then had at least 50% claim to Ruthless Records, which was valued at $10 million. There was a lawsuit and a claim. Like, I don't know. She at least had 50%, but she wanted. She said that she had 100% of the business, but there's a lawsuit, and I don't know who won. She at least had 50% ownership of Ruthless Records. So that's $5 million that she had access or that she would have received from Ruthless Records. In 2011, an FBI document that had been sealed was released that linked both Eazy-E and Tupac Shakur to alleged extortion by the Jewish Defense League or JDL. So Jerry Heller is Jewish and he hired the JDL to help them fight Suge Knight and neo-Nazis that had been threatening them. Basically, he hired this group of Jews to help defend them against these threats that they were receiving. Um, It makes sense that Jerry would lean towards a Jewish company to help defend them because he was Jewish. I know that like I have some Chinese friends and they were trying to buy a house. They found a Chinese lend or uh, realtor because that's who they were more comfortable with. And they could speak in the same language. Not that Jews speak in different languages, but you're going to find people that you are like to help you through a hard time. Right? So he, they're going through a hard time. He found the Jewish defense league. He probably knew a couple of them from like church or whatever. And you're going to stay in your own community. Makes sense. So the report stated that on September, or quote, on September 11th, 1996, omitted, so a name of some sort was omitted, reported that JDL and others yet, um, and others yet unidentified have been extorting money from various rap music stars via death threats. The scheme involves omitted and other subjects making telephonic death threats to the rap star. Subjects then intercede by contacting the victim and offering protection for a fee. Source reported that Eric Wright, also known as Easy e who owned Ruthless Records, Woodland Hills, California, was a victim of this extortion scheme prior to dying from AIDS. Omitted has also reported, re- oh, has also reportedly targeted Tupac Shakur 
prior to his recent murder in Las Vegas, Nevada, end quote. So that all came from the FBI document. And JDL was not only targeting rap stars, they targeted foreign diplomats, Muslims, Jewish scholars, community leaders, and officials. So they they weren't discriminating about who they were, you know, targeting. Obviously, they had this in with these Jewish, or these, not Jewish, these rappers because of their, their Jewish music manager. But they were targeting the Muslims, targeting other Jews. To I mean, they were just they were just being assholes. Is basically what it comes down to. I don't know if they actually killed Eze, but it is odd that they had this this extortion thing going on. But even his own son, a different son. I I mentioned a couple sons earlier, but a different son, Marcus Wright, also known as Young Eze, thinks that Suge Knight had something to do with it. I, I don't, I don't know. Like he just, he, he doesn't really believe that like nothing happened. He believes that Suge Knight was involved in some way, but everyone, it seems is kind of pointing the finger at somebody else. You have this rapper, um, that rapped for ruthless records. His name was frost. He was a Hispanic rapper. And he, he said that he thinks that easy E got, AIDS from an acupuncture needle, which I don't know. I, I don't, I couldn't find like if easy E was like getting acupuncture on a regular basis. It seems something very like mellow for a gangster rapper to be doing. But also when you start making that much money, maybe you're getting mas- massages and acupuncture more f- recent, more frequently. I don't know, but he, that was his big thing. Frost was like, Nope, he got it from an acupuncture needle. So but he didn't really say who he thinks was the culprit of wanting to put the AIDS on the needle. But everyone is kind of in agreement. It seems that something is weird here. That it's weird that he just like got AIDS out of the blue and died from it within a month. And it feels very intentional. But again, I mean, he was very promiscuous. He was sleeping around with a lot of women. So it could be that he just got AIDS and died. It just, it's very strange. It is very strange that he didn't have any symptoms and none of his kids have AIDS. I don't know. Anyway, what do you guys think? Thank you so much, Ben. I had no idea about this conspiracy. So I feel like I learned a lot. And I'm glad that you requested it. If you guys have any requests, please find me on Instagram and send me a message. I interact a lot on Instagram. So send me a message. I will message you back. It's me personally. I promise it's me doing it because I'm the only one that does this podcast. I don't have like a team. It's just me. Uh, That's not true. I have my dogs. You probably hear them in some of the episodes, like deep sighing in the background, like their lives are really hard. But one of my dogs, he just lays under my feet under the desk the entire time I'm doing all my research, I'm doing my my recording, everything. They won't leave me alone. I can't lock them out of the room because they'll just whine outside the door. Then my other dog, he sleeps on the bed and he just lays there on the bed and watches me. So I do have a team. They just don't help in any way. So anyway, until next week, my friends, stay skeptical and I'll see you all later. Hey friends, The Rabbit Hole is an independent podcast with everything you hear done by me, Danny Mercy. 
I appreciate all of your support. Please rate and review wherever you're listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at rabbit.holepodcast. And thank you, Zakar Valaha, for our awesome intro.